Hello, friends, and welcome to Is Training the Answer, a podcast about finding the answer to learning and development's most frequently asked question. In this episode, we're joined by Tara Cohn. Tara is a director at Whitfleet, a data storyteller and analytics translator. Together, we discuss how to go from order takers to business partners, helping stakeholders and learning and development identify and measure outcomes, and telling a better story with data that inspires the business to take action. Let's take a quick break and get right into the interview. Very cool. Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really excited to have you. Thank you for having me, John. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons that we're excited to talk with you is because of a LinkedIn post that you shared that data and analytics teams can sometimes act like order takers, that they're simply satisfying requests as they're provided, giving stakeholders exactly what they requested or trying to. Uh, this is also a common challenge in, in L&D. So I, I feel like I'd love to understand what are your thoughts on addressing that, that challenge? For sure. So I think that it's funny through throughout this, I envision that my answers will be education and training and your answers mm -hmm. will be data and analytics. We'll kind of go back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's honestly at the core of it. Right. So I think that to address all of these challenges, it takes literally the puzzle pieces of data and analytics and the education, training and support. Um, so how, how do we address those challenges? How do we address the challenges of, you know, having, having requests comes in, come in and just being satisfied is taking tickets. I think it's really about empowering and supporting and educating on both sides, not just data and analytics team members, um, but also the requesters, the users, the stakeholders, those are often business leaders, um, and really making sure that everyone understands the purpose of those dialogues and recognizing the value of having dialogues, not just sending across a request. Mm -hmm. And I think that that gap there has been at the root of the problem. Everyone's always looking for efficiency and, you know, how can we just have someone create, fill out a form and make this as, as fast of a process as possible, but taking those human elements out of it in, in all of the experiences that I've had, can cause more harm than good at times. And mm -hmm. I think that it's really important to evaluate where is it optimal to do ticket taking and where is it less than optimal and or how do we enhance a ticket taking process um, to keep all of those key elements included. And, and the empowering and support of this, I think is, is so pivotal because quite often organizations and team members they go through this ticket taking and satisfying exactly how something was submitted because they think that's what's expected, because they think that's how they have to do this. But what we actually want them quite often is to feel empowered to ask questions. We know that there's great things that come from being able to ask questions and expand on a solution together. Um, but quite often folks can be scared to do that or to not know if they have the authority to be able to do that? Are they, you know, how's it going to be perceived by someone if they ask some of those follow-up questions? 
Um, so I, I think, again, just really empowering, supporting and educating on both sides such that you can get to a better solution to higher quality output developed quicker and faster um, by really having these conversations and, and understanding the unique and differentiated skills of the people making a request and the people satisfying the request and really bringing those together to, to it's going to sound corny, but to make magic, right? Um, to, to really get something done in the best way possible. And this is a common theme that I feel like we've kind of heard as we've had these conversations where it's about understanding the needs of the person who's coming to you with a request or understanding the needs of that department and really being able to help them by digging a little bit deeper beyond just a request and uh, sharing with them the value that you can bring. One of the challenges that we often encounter as we're going through this process, so you meet with them face to face and you're having a good discussion, is that from an L&D side, and, and I don't know if from a data and analytics side, if you, if you have the same challenges, are that the requesters aren't measuring the behaviors that they want learning and development to change, or they don't have the data, they want better results, they feel like, hey, I need training, this is the answer to my challenge, I've been told I need to increase or decrease something or have build better relationships, but they can't articulate how we can measure success after training is done. Do you have similar conversations? Uh, if so, how are you helping those stakeholders to kind of identify and measure the right performance indicators? Yeah, so we absolutely have those conversations and we have them in a handful of different ways. So I, I think that the, the best way I've seen to address these items is consistently having discussions at the business level. And we'll say business level, but business means a lot of different things based on the industry you're in and the department you're working with and the team members you have. But when I say business, I mean kind of business versus technical or more kind of plain English speak than technical talk, if you will, or jargon. So um, we always try to have these discussions wherever possible at kind of the, the layman's terms. Let's just speak in regular, you know, regular dialogue here around what are you doing? What are your processes? What does what does good look like? What does working well look like? And vice versa. What does it mean if something is failing? What does it mean if something is going wrong? How would you know that? Um, so we start the conversation in that plain English speak, if you will. And then we start moving backwards from there. So if I start as far on the business side as I can, then move technical, we find that works far better than saying, okay, I have this data. So these are the metrics we could see. And I will say, so many people and organizations do it that direction. They go from, this is the data I have, so this is what you could see. And it's very short-sighted, right? Because what'll happen is it results in a ton of wasted effort um, on, again, whether it's the L&D side or the data and analytics side, it results in a ton of lift to do all this work. And then you recognize you've shown someone all these things or you've done all of this training but you can't measure that it worked and you didn't dig at that extra few inches or mile that was needed and it falls flat, right? So what we, what I encourage is, is really focusing on it from the process perspective, from the business side first, and then working backwards. And what we find when we do it that way is that we almost always identify some type of technical gap, like you were speaking to. 
They're not tracking the data. There's, you know, there's not a known metric in this area. Um, this is not a required field. Gosh, that one happens way more often than anyone would like. Um, there's dirty data in here, right? Like the, there's the same field can be entered 10 different ways. And what are we going to do with that? Um, so there's so many different challenges you can hit a, a, as you go through that process. But by coming at it from the business side, moving technical, you recognize all the areas of opportunity for genuine process enhancement. Um, and honestly, I think that's probably one of the things that is missed so often in the value provided by these processes. It's not just the final training L&D delivers. It's not just the final metrics or dashboards that a BI and analytics team put forward. It's not just the algorithm. It's the, the knowledge that is obtained throughout, right? It's understanding those processes more thoroughly. It's poking holes throughout the entire thing to ask questions and see areas of opportunity and enhancing your systems along the way. Um, so quite often these become collaborative efforts. You take members from the business, you take members from an you know, IT part of the organization, so system owners, you take data and analytics teams members, you take training members, right? You take this cross-functional team, project management usually in there somewhere, um, but you take all of these team members and bring them together to really figure out the right way to measure success, again, all the way from that business down to the technical side. And I think there's two other things that I would add in there. So some folks might get stuck in those conversations and they may have really, really big ideas or they may have silence. Um, it can go anywhere in between. But the other two things that we leverage along with that are industry standards and benchmarks. So whatever part of the organization is, no matter kind of how novel a new you know, business model is or concept, et cetera, there usually is some type of proxy to be leveraged in regards to what is the industry doing? What are other folks doing? Um, what type of metrics are they looking at, et cetera. So if that just business to, to technical dialogue, what is your business process? What is the, the thing you're looking to change or actions you could potentially take? And then how does data support that? And what data do you have and how can that tell your story? Um, if that leaves you still wanting, leveraging those industry standards, other benchmark and available data out there, um, those I think supplement very well to that initial process I walked through. That was a great takeaway because I do feel like there are times where there is silence on the other end of the table or there's like, a, I don't know, we're not measuring it. I just know that we need to do it. And that idea of going back and saying, okay, well, let's look at industry standards. Let's see what the industry is doing and maybe we can get some ideas there and figure out what works for us and, and how we can move forward. I, I really like that tactic um, because I think it, it allows us to have a better conversation than that impasse where I feel like you get to that point where you're waiting for them to tell, like I'm waiting for them to tell me how we're going to measure this and what they need. And they're waiting for me to tell them how I'm going to build training to fix the problem that they have. So I, re I really like that tactic. I think that's great. I will say, John, one of the other things, just as you were mentioning that, um, so we have to recognize that these discussions are can be really out of the norm for the types of discussions that you know business owners, uh, business stakeholders are having. So recognizing how those individuals consume this information, can process this, can go there with us is really important. And we've recognized that sometimes that means you know giving a list of questions in advance of a discussion so someone can reflect on that. It means 
using whiteboards, which can be hard in this new virtual world we live in, right? Um, but figuring out the right way to have visuals to guide those conversations, um, showing mock-ups, showing, you know, samples. I can't say how often we just go to Google and it'll say like, Google images, metrics for blank, right? Like this isn't highly, highly technical or structured, but it is so much easier for someone to react to something at times than it is to have like the world of possibilities at your fingertips. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that mindset shift is really important to think through when you're having a discussion with a stakeholder. They may not be used to being asked these types of questions or thinking about solving the challenge in this way, shape, or form. Typically, from what I found is they've somebody has told them we need to fix this and we need to fix it like right away, high priority, right? So bringing in, having a project request form where you have questions and you're preparing them for the discussion so they feel like they're prepared or doing some sort of a whiteboard activity, sharing with them examples, I love that. I think that's a great way of bringing them along and helping them to understand. And then once you educate them, now they know for next time, they can, you know, as long as they're having a great experience and they get what they need, then you know you have a, a an influencer in the organization who can kind of help you as you move forward. Yeah, and I'd be interested to know if you have this experience as well. So one of the things that I would say is this concept around needing to get all of the metrics right away, having to be able to measure every bit of this versus allowing it to be iterative. Um, so I, I don't know the exact, you know, parallel between doing that on the data and analytics side versus in the L and D world, but I do know that that is something we see quite often requests can become really, uh, they can balloon, they can become heavily inflated because people think this is my chance. This is my one time to be able to get everything we need. And you recognize that if you did it iteratively, A, it would probably be consumed, you know, consumed more easily. It would be a little bit more successful. Um, is, is that something that you guys experience from the training perspective around the metrics and, and what you're looking to do? Yeah. A, a, a lot of times it's not about building a MVP or a mm -hmm. program that you're going to tweak over time. A lot of time it's about, we're going to solve this challenge now. And, you know, if it doesn't work, then we're going to come back and we're going to like, I'm going to tell you it's not working and we're going to mm -hmm. retrain people. So I think this is something that I'm learning more about. And I, honestly, it's just the idea for me of patience, yeah. having patience and starting from somewhere and then measuring that improvement over time and then saying, okay, so we know where we want to get to, where can we get today? And then can we commit the time and resources to iterate and to improve this process over time? And then, you know, you'll look back in a year and think, wow, look, look how far we've come. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely feel like there is there's always this kind of sense of urgency. And so being able to have a conversation like that, I think with a stakeholder or a requester, I think that's really a valuable way to kind of set yourself up for success in the long run. So I really like what you're saying here. I, I think that makes, I think that makes a ton of, of sense. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because you can't, nothing's going to be perfect right out of the box. Right. Yeah. And, and those change management, I think change management impacts both areas, just understanding kind of, logically, how much change the people on the other end can accept at one point in time. And um, I think just the power of doing things, you know, in an agile fashion and that iterative nature is just, it's really impactful. So one of the challenges that we do have, I think, from an L&D perspective, and you probably see this all the time, 
is the fact that I might have an LMS. I might have two learning management systems. I might have uh, some sort of separate learning experience platform or uh, I'm using a vendor library like LinkedIn Learning. And so now the question then becomes, well, how do I show, I need to show value to my organization. How can I show the return on a LinkedIn like learning library or how do I align what a learner is doing on one system with another system, you know, and I, I hear a lot of fancy terms like data lakes and warehouses. Can, can you just help me understand, and, and maybe this is an iterative process, but uh, just kind of help us understand, well, how do you start to connect these things? How do you start to make sense when all your stuff is just in different systems sometimes? Yeah, for sure. So this is what this is exactly the work that my team and I do, right? So I it, the the concept of having to get data from a number of different sources, bring it together and make sense of it, if you will, um, is a huge and daunting task. Uh, and not just the systems you just listed, but those throughout each area of the organization to actually see that final impact, right? That last step of it. And then marrying that up, it's not just a literal connection in the data. It is actually oftentimes a pretty big mapping, a business mapping to get there, right? You're, you're making a lot of assumptions. Um, so there are, I mean, yes, there are data lakes, there are data warehouses. And the high level concepts is you're taking data from a number of different systems. You're figuring out what business rules need to exist to create the mappings between these things so that you can establish the correct relationships. And then you're mapping that all the way through to what does someone need to see out of it on the front end, right? How does someone need to support making decisions or uh, know how to take actions based on the data that's been cleaned, consumed, organized, governed, et cetera. So I think that there's really two key areas. The rest leave up to the technical folks, right? Guide them, give them these pieces, and, and the rest should be able to work if you have competent teams. But the, the front side of it is when you're making purchases, when you are selecting tools and vendors to, to put all of your information in, make sure you own and have access to your data. Organizations are getting way better about this now, um, but that oftentimes may mean additional cost, et cetera, but there's so much importance in being able to own and access your data so that you can build these cross-functional business intelligence type solutions, bringing in multiple data sets within your organization. So um, for, on that more technical end, make sure you have access to your data and can help get access to the right team members. Um, the middle part there is just collaborate, collaborate with the right team members. And uh, that might look like different names within different organizations. It might be IT, it might be informa information technology, it might be information services, it might be data management, it might be analytics, it might be business intelligence. We go by different names. That makes it very confusing, but truly um, some amount of information type conversation, analytics type conversation, people should be able to route you to the right team to be able to collaborate. Um, and then again, on the front end, just try to always think about these from the business, uh, the business side of things. What decisions are folks looking to make? What actions are you looking to take? And then how can this all um, really empower that? And how can you keep alignment across an organization from a governance perspective? Okay, two final questions for you. Yeah. Um, what can we learn from our colleagues in the data and analytics fields? I feel like I've already learned a bunch, but is there anything else that you would say, John, tell people this, this is what you need to hear. And then I'll just say, I'll add this second question if you wanna roll right into that, but what's something that you wanna to recommend to our listeners could be anything. 
Um, I will start with the second and roll in from there. So I think that there are so many technical nooks and crannies when it comes to the world that is data and analytics. There's so many buzzwords. There's so many terms. We make it seem incredibly, incredibly complicated at times. There's this culture shift that has to happen to become data driven. There's a lack of trust in the data because it is complicated. It, but at its core, right, like distill it all down at its core, what is so incredibly essential is still people connecting with people, right? We're not fully automated yet. No matter how much automation happens in BI and data and analytics, whether it's these in-depth AI algorithms and, you know, your predictive analytics, or even if it's just automating some manual processes you have in Excel, at this point, there are still people executing on building that type of code for the large majority, right? So at its core, one of the most important things for both, in my opinion, for both L&D as well as for BI data and analytics is, is relationships. It's people being able to talk to other people, to be able to understand what does our organization do? What does our business do? What does success for our company look like? And how does that happen in every area of the organization? And how can we make decisions? What actions as an organization can we take to move that the right way or the wrong way? Right. And then how do the, the respective things that we do align to that, whether it's, you know, learning and development, whether it's building dashboards, whether it's connecting the data sets, et cetera. Um, but fundamentally, what is the one thing I would recommend? Get to know your peers, get to understand what they do, get so connected with your stakeholders at the highest levels, the lowest levels of an org chart. Um, every perspective is so important. Shadow, shadow, shadow. I've never done something more valuable. If you don't hold different roles in the organization, shadow team members that do, people love to be able to tell you what they do, show you what they do, and you'll be amazed at how much you will learn, even if it's just an hour or two. Um, so those are probably my, my biggest suggestions there. And I think that again, that's what, you know, maybe L&D can learn from data and analytics and what data and analytics can learn from L&D. And I think that there's honestly so much similarity between the two areas um, that if we both kind of align on how we do that, and maybe even doing so collaboratively, we can create efficiencies, learn from each other and just continue to build good practices that can really scale within an organization. Yeah, mic drop. Fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. Tara, thank you so much for your time today. It's one o'clock. I want to be super respectful of your time. It was nice to see you again. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to do it again in the future. Absolutely. Always great connecting with you, John. Thank you so much for inviting me on to the show. I really appreciate it and the experience. And if you're ever interested in chatting again, I'd love to do so. Okay, we're going to pause for a moment, reflect on what we learned and how to apply these insights. We'll be back momentarily with our thoughts. Okay, so we're back. John, what are your top takeaways? So I have a handful of takeaways from this episode. It was such a great conversation. And I think the first one is understanding over efficiency, right? So everybody's looking for efficiency. You fill out a form, you create a training, and then you move on. But we really need to take the time to think through how are we empowering and supporting our teams and business leaders to ask questions and really understand the, the needs of the request, right? How do we have a better conversation when we, when we have the request to really get down to 
what are they trying to achieve and, and how can we help them achieve that? Efficiency is great and being able to quickly and efficiently create content and fix a challenge is amazing. But if you're not targeting the right behaviors or you're not targeting the right issues, then we'll just be back at the table again. So I really love that idea of uh, trying to really understand it and have a better conversation, uh, which dovetails into this idea of educating your peers, right? Being courageous, be open to educating on both sides to get to a better solution. Have those conversations and understanding um, of what the, the needs are of the organization. What are they trying to do? They're making this request for a reason. So how can we satisfy those requests with learnings and, and where maybe are there opportunities outside of learning to, to support the request? I really loved her idea of using industry standards. We had that, that moment where we talked about, uh, you, you're sitting across from the person at the table and you ask them how you're going to measure it or you ask how, how they are, they're measuring it today and they don't know, or they, they don't have information. Well, if you don't have a suggestion, go to, to industry standards, look at benchmarks and see if you can fill in any blanks using uh, what external organizations and are, are doing or best practices are saying. So it's a, a great opportunity to, to come to the table with something and say, hey, look at this opportunity here. We could use this. What do you think? I also like the idea of um, being open, getting to know your, your peers and stakeholders, really understanding them, uh, understanding what's important to them, understanding who they are, and building that relationship so that when you have these conversations, you know more about the organization, you know about how your organization makes money, you know how about how your, how your organization functions, about how these teams function, how everybody works together. Uh, and it's a really great opportunity for you to then use that knowledge during these conversations to really provide insight outside of uh, just how learning might might fix this issue or how learning might approach something. You'll have an understanding of, of how your suggestions or what somebody's asking you uh, interplays within uh, the rest of the organization. And the last piece I thought was really insightful just in terms of own your, your data. Make sure you can access it. Make sure you can own your data from an LMS perspective. I know there's this issue of people using a content creation tool within the LMS. Well, if you leave that LMS in three years time, where does that leave you? Do you own that content? Can you get that content out? Is it stuck in the LMS? And now you have to figure out how you're going to handle that situation. So I think it's just really important as you're thinking about data and as you're thinking about your products and your services, from an L&D perspective, uh, what do you actually own when you're using these tools and when you're uh, making these technology decisions? Uh, I thought that was really key and, and I really appreciated that. What about yourself? Yeah, well, I think, you know, your last point is is a great one. Um, definitely, you know, a conversation for another day as to probably why SCORM has stayed around as long as it has. Um, <laughs> but for me, what really stood out was speaking in plain language. I think that is something that we in learning and development and honestly, probably a lot of other teams and a lot of other people within our organizations miss. I think so many times people want to come across as the expert. And so they use 
buzzwords uh, that are big within the industry or use particular data points that others may not really understand um, instead of just thinking, well, the company hired me, I'm the expert. Let me just talk and shoot straight on this and, and really get to the point rather than kind of dancing around it and sounding really smart. And like, I know what I ta I'm talking about. I, I know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't need to say a lot of words to do that. Um, and that kind of led into the, the building relationships and knowing your stakeholders. If your stakeholders know that you're reliable, that you shoot straight, that you don't really sugarcoat anything, um, whether it's about learning and development, whether it's about the organization or how you help the other teams, they're going to come to you more often. They're going to feel a little bit more comfortable working with you because um, they know that you're not going to be pedantic or you know look down upon them when they don't know what they're talking about because they just don't know. It's not their world. Um, the worst is when you go talk to somebody and they're using language and you're like, just stop using buzzwords. Just can you get this done or can we not get it done and why or how those kind of concepts really stood out to me and something that I am going to start implementing myself or at least be very conscious of when talking with stakeholders is how can I get not, how can I get this meeting over quicker? Not in a sense of like, get me the heck out of here, but in a sense of, am I saying the right things as clearly as possible to elicit the answer that either I want or that leads us to the best result at the end. I love that. And I, I think to tag on to that, don't be afraid to ask if you don't understand something. If somebody yeah. else isn't using plain language with you, I have to do this all the time where I just say, hey, can can you just help me understand what do you mean by X? Yeah. Because otherwise you walk away and you have no idea <laughs> what they were talking about, right? Right. Like, what it, do you mean by that? It, well, it's like that episode of the, of the Office when Jim is asked to do a rundown. He could have saved an entire episode just by asking, well, what is a rundown? What is it that you want me to do? And I think mm -hmm. as learning and development professionals, we, we do need to practice what we preach and live in this world of it's okay not to know. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to not know and try and figure something out because then you're going to create a whole host of problems for so many people after uh, practice what you preach, you know, ask the right questions, be conscious that you don't know it. Let people know. I don't know it, you know, speak in plain language. I, I'm not familiar with this term or what is it exactly that you want me to do? Um, and then again, well, I, I'm just kind of following up. I want to do it. I want to take this on, but you know, just kind of help me meet me in the middle somewhere. Well, that'll wrap up this episode. Be on the lookout for our next episode, wherever you get your podcast. As always, you can learn more and contact us on our website at istrainingtheanswer.com. I'm John Parcell. I'm Rory Sachs. Thanks for listening.